Hello and welcome to History in Reverse, a father-daughter science fiction podcast. Today we will be discussing the first season of The Last of Us, Season 1, HBO's new show. My name is Caroline. I'm here with my father, Richie. Hello. And we are discussing The Last of Us Season 1. Just uh, like everybody else in the world. Just like everybody. <laughs> well, I wanted to start by plugging my other podcasts because I'm doing three podcasts on this show from three different angles. And my other two podcasts, the other one is Gaze, G-A-Z-E. That's on SoundCloud and Spotify. We'll be analyzing it from like a LGBT angle. And my other podcast will be with my friend Bo on The Fundamentalist, and that'll be from a game adaptation angle because Bo's also played the games. But we are looking at this as a science fiction story today, right? That's right. And I haven't played the game. I only became aware of this whole thing recently because a bunch of articles started appearing about how this adaptation of a game is going to be the next big thing. Mm-hmm. And the previous movie that was adapted from a game was something like Mario, which mm-hmm. wasn't quite quite the same. <laughs> no, there was a movie and and the Mario movie there was some fungus involved too. <laughs> yes. What's happened in the past with video games is that they've tried to make them into T V shows and they've always been awful. They've always been like the movies or the shows like whatever they do, they just like cannot manage to adapt it from a video game to the screen very well. And I think the difference with The Last of Us, and I have played the games, the first and the second game, and I don't like the first game. I've played it multiple times. I don't like it. Not my kind of game. I like the second game, but we won't be talking about that because that's uh, that'll be season two. Season two. Uh, for, for the show. <laughs> but the difference, I think, is that The Last of Us, the first game, has a narrative story, which is something that a lot of video games lack or have very thinly. So... In the video game universe, like within video games, The Last of Us is a, a much stronger narrative story than other games. However, when you lift that story and put it in a TV context, it's a much weaker story than a lot of TV. And I think a lot of those weaknesses came out uh, watching this season. But yeah, that's the issue with ad- adapting video games to screen. It never worked. This is nice. I, I do think it worked. I think ultimately, overall, it was a good show. I yeah, I, I think so. Yeah, I sort of enjoyed it. <laughs> we're looking at it from a science fiction kind of point of view and i wanted right. to know from from you because you have more knowledge than i do about science fiction this the concept of a fungal infection causing basically zombies is that something that's been done before i think zombies were most like m- most um typically in movies right so and, and the original idea of a zombie is a it's like a supernatural thing more than like an occult. It's like black magic from Haiti or that, that kind of, you know, mm-hmm. Caribbean where you could kind of take over a person remotely mm-hmm. or something. As an infection, I mean, we've read some books that involve um, biological kind of science fiction. The one that I thought about, it's not really close to this, but it's similar the idea of a notion of a pandemic, there's a book called Andromeda Strain, mm-hmm. which I, and there's a movie as well, so I hope we can do that at some point, where basically a germ comes from outer space and starts killing people. Mm-hmm. And the story, they don't turn to zombies, they just die. 
Mm-hmm. It's a much smaller story. It's not like the end of the world. I'm not sure. I'm trying to think of any other end of the world stories. I, r- I don't particularly like those anyway, so mm-hmm. I haven't really. <laughs> yeah, read that many. I mean, most of, most zombie stories I know of are either movies or video games. There's a lot of mm-hmm. zombie video games, and among zombie video games, it's it's some kind of like nefarious infection kind of thing. In some of the canons, they don't even explain it. Like I think right. in The Walking Dead, which is the other kind of big one, particularly as a TV show, there just are zombies, and there's no well, there was there was a there was a great B movie probably that started the whole thing in the movies. I'm not sure when it was made. I should look that up. Uh, called The Night of the Living Dead, mm-hmm. where the zombies just came. You know, they, they, the dead out of the graves came out and stuff. And there was a funny line in that movie, just kill the brain, kill the ghoul. So the only way to kill them was to blow the heads. Mm-hmm. So this kind of, this theme seems to be carried into this uh, Yes. The Last of Us. <laughs> yes, definitely. Killing a zombie by shooting it in the head is definitely, or crushing its head, is definitely something that's like attached itself to the zombie genre in general. But I mean, I like the concept of it being a fungus because mm-hmm. it it is different than other kinds of like generic, like I'm waving my hand at you and it's a science, it's a science fiction disease, I promise. You know, it's, right. it's a little bit. Well, I mean, th- th- it's based partially on something that occurs in nature, right? Mm-hmm. So there is a fungus that, that attacks insects and makes the insects go crazy and i think i know an ant if an ant is infected by this virus it climbs to like the top of a whatever plant that's nearby and this way it can be eaten mm-hmm. by a, a cow it's more likely to be eaten by a cow and that spreads the fungus around mm-hmm. yeah so uh, that's the evolutionary explanation yeah so in this case i think the kind of and the very very opening of the show the kind of uh, do a little bit of wokeism. <laughs> okay, in what way? <laughs> uh, because they uh, talk about, you know, this, they have this TV show, right, where they have some mm-hmm. scientists speaking, and this one scientist says, well, the problem is that uh, fungus is going to potentially do more, us more harm than bacteria or viruses. Mm-hmm. And there is this fungus that, you know, infects the ants and insects, but it doesn't infect humans because it cannot survive at that high temperature. Mm-hmm. So implying that if the earth gets warmer. <laughs> right, exactly. It's like if, all, if something were to happen that forced the fungus to evolve to survive at a higher temperature, we might be in trouble. And you're watching, you're like, I get and it. This particular, yeah, I think they give you the date. It's like 1963 or something. Yeah, and it's like, it's like not, yeah, it is. It's earlier than like our story proper starts. Right. But it's like this concept of, and I mean, th- that's like an addition to the game canon is that they send, tried to build right. the backstory a bit. And like explain why it happened now, and I mean I like that concept that it's like it could be something. No, I, th- that I thought it was cool. I yeah. mean this is this is almost like the old uh, Godzilla movies, you know, when mm-hmm. they first show you like in the beginning, uh, there's some you know nuclear tests, and and then you know, some years later a monster appears. Yes. And decided, <laughs> you know. Oh so no! Uh, <laughs> Who could have thought? Well, then our our first episode jumps forward to the year 2003, which is when the outbreak right. occurs to Outbreak Day. And our characters don't know it's outbreak day yet, but it's about to be outbreak day. And we meet Actually, our... it's Joel, Joel's birthday, right? It's... So who are the main two characters? So our main characters are Joel. His brother Tommy appears in this episode as well. And, his... and Joel's lovely daughter Sarah, who is just so nice. I sure hope nothing bad happens to her. <laughs> <laughs> I sure hope nothing bad happens to her in the next 20 minutes of this episode. <laughs> 
it turns out it's Joel's birthday, mm-hmm. and she has a secret plan. Mm-hmm. She goes right, and gets so, his watch fixed for him. Yeah, so he had some watch that needed to be fixed, mm-hmm. and um, she goes on the bus and places. But as as she does this, weird stuff starts to happen, right? Yeah, like I thought that was well stories. done. Yeah. yeah, again, that's very typical of those types of movies where you see like these flashes of news reports about some weird stuff happening in Indonesia mm-hmm. and helicopters going over more and more, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Yeah, and she eventually gets home and she does give him his watch and then they fall asleep or something and she wakes up in the middle of the night and... Well, the, they have they have this neighbor, right? So mm-hmm. who's an old lady? She's disabled in a wheelchair, mm-hmm. and they like help her occasionally. Mm-hmm. And um, Sarah wakes up because the that neighbor's dog is at the back door, and the dog's right. like freaking out. And she's right. like, "All right." And her dad's not home at that point. She's like, "Where did he go?" Whatever. So she goes to bring the the dog back over, and she finds the front door open, and. Right. Uh, she says, uh, I'm not in a horror show. This is perfectly safe. Let me go inside the house. <laughs> and she does. And uh-oh, grandma's infected and she's eating everyone in the house. So this is kind of an interesting concept or issue that you brought up to me. Is like, why would they, why would the zombies be eating other people? The the I think the concept is that the fungus infects a person and kind of grows inside the person and the person becomes like a mushroom, essentially, mm-hmm. or fungi. <laughs> or may, maybe only the men become fungi. <laughs> <laughs> but thinking about like the old lady who was disabled in a wheelchair, right? Th- she was disabled in a wheelchair because like her body failed. You know, the muscles weren't working, the bones were fragile, mm-hmm. uh, and all of a sudden, she gets this infection and is very strong, and she can like kill other people and bite the necks. Mm-hmm. And, and 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 run and run so yeah. it's uh yeah i guess the implication is sort of that the fungus is also giving the host like extra strength or super strength or you know one thing about the series that is different from the game it's not surprising is that the zombies are much stronger and much more deadly in the show mm-hmm. like they take a lot more to kill than they do in the game right. and that's just by right. virtue of there being fewer of them in a television show more of them in, in a gameplay right. setting so, yeah, she does get, like, super strength. And she also has, coming out of her mouth, these, like, tendrils. Grandma has, like, right. tendrils coming right. out of her mouth. Which seems to be, like, a way that one person can infect another. And you'd think this was, like, a really cool concept that would be used, like, multiple times throughout the entire season. But you see it one more time and never again. Right. So, I don't know why they bothered with it. The well, ten- I mean, the, it's, it's, the tendrils, it must be difficult. The tendrils are a replacement in the game. People get infected by spores. Mm-hmm. So it's like if you're in an area that's like enclosed enough, there'll be like spores being produced by the fungus. And if you breathe them in, you get infected. They they ditched the spore thing. They said they ditched it. And I don't believe them. I don't, be- I don't trust HBO. HBO's lied to me too many times for me to take their word for it. <laughs> they said they ditched the spores thing because it like didn't make sense because spores get everywhere or whatever. Well, they and- do. I'm like, they do, but you can also just science fiction that away and say like, it takes a certain number of spores for you to get infected. You know, that's like, but I think the real reason that they did it is because filming with spores like that is horrible. People over at Stranger Things have to do like dust spores kind of things for their uh-huh. show. And all of the actors complain. Everyone's allergic to the stuff. It gets everywhere. It gets in people's eyes. It's just like very unpleasant to film with. And I'm like, if it's unpleasant, just tell me that. Just be honest, HBO. Like, I know you're lying to me. I know you're making things up. 
So there's enough holes in your plot that I know you're not trying to close this particular plot hole. Well, but... well, they made it so that you get infected by getting bitten. That's that's something also in the game. But then they also that's... added this tendril thing from the mouth, which again we get in one well, so scene. Just, <laughs> just shows you that how you become a, a, a fun guy. But you're right, there was only two scenes. So, so anyway, so... Sarah flees, Joel and Tommy show up. Joel the, kills the... Grandma. <laughs> yeah. And they, One clean they shot flee. to the head. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they flee. Chaos ensues, and mm-hmm. uh, at one point, Joel, Tommy, and and Sarah get kind of cornered by a, a military guy, and yeah. he he says, "Stop!" You know, and they stop, and he has gun pointing at them, and they said, I, "We are not infected, so we are fine." Mm-hmm. And he says, "Okay," but then he talks to somebody in the radio, mm-hmm. and clearly the instructions are to kill everybody. Mm-hmm. So. I think, I, I don't remember exactly what happens in this scene, but he shoots and misses Joel, but mm-hmm. he hits Sarah. Yeah. And then Joel kills him. Tommy kills, kills, Tommy kills oh, Tommy the military kills. guy, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And then, sadly, Sarah dies there. Oh, I could have never seen it coming. I was so shocked. Were you shocked? I was kind of surprised. Cause I, well, I was surprised and not because I remembered from you that, that the character is named Ellie. I said, well, this is Sarah. Yeah. Ellie? You know, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> and then we fast forward to the future. Um, yes, but I wanted to say something else about the scene. Oh, so the the fact that Sarah gets killed not by the zombie apocalypse, but by, like, a soldier has always bothered me because it's like, did you know that humans are the real monster? Did you know? And I'm like, I know. <laughs> every zombie show, every zombie game... Has the, has the same theme, one of, of its multiple themes, has the same thing. Uh, humans are the real monsters. And it's just like, it's so blatant. I'm like, it, and it was just like, it's not, I'm not surprised. It's not even like one of those things where it's like, if she had just gotten bitten at some point, it would, like, like a character, there's a character later who just gets bitten. It's like, well, yeah, that's the danger of living it during the zombie apocalypse is that a certain number of people get bit and you, a character, are at risk for that all the time. But to, like, be shot to death by a soldier who you encounter on, like, a random grassy knoll somewhere near Austin, Texas, is, like, just... Well, but, I mean... I get that... it. People are bad. You're edgy and dark. I'm so... Wow, well, look at your edgy dark show. It's it's not that people are bad. It was just in the chaos of everything. Nobody knew what was going on. So I'm not entirely surprised. Yeah. Uh, regarding the zombie, zombies eating everybody... I was talking to a friend of mine about this, and he said, why is it in all the zombie movies the zombies are bad? Like, what mm-hmm. what would happen if you became a zombie? You became good. Yeah. I, well, I think the idea is that, it, that you you don't think anymore. You don't have, like, you just, like, you're just oh, a body. you're a fun guy, you know, maybe you just want to be have fun. <laughs> that would be really funny. I would, I would read that. I would read a take on the zombie story. <laughs> Everybody gets an infection and becomes way better people. Hmm. Maybe we should spread right. it. Yeah. Actually, so, I hate to I hate to mention it, but there there's many stories like that when somebody drops something nice into the water, and, mm-hmm. and that's supposed to make everybody be nice and and all kinds of fun and soup. But. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> so then we flash to 2023. Uh oh. <laughs> oh right. Ah <laughs> uh, well, whoops. Basically, what we learn in the beginning of the story is that Joel lives in what's called a quarantine zone, a QZ where it seems like they've kept out the infected, but it's like 
poverty-stricken area controlled by the government called Fedra. Right. Fedra. Yeah, you know, Fedra. The feds. You know. Yeah. We're really creative, Fedra. <laughs> and Joel's like a smuggler. He's like always getting like illegal shit in and out of the of the quarantine zone. And he does like, he and goes to tunnels and... He does random stuff. jobs, like, yeah. like burning corpses. Yeah. And he works with this woman named Tess, who's the same way. They're like smuggling stuff, whatever. There's I like Tess. I like Tess too. There's a there's a terrorist group called the Fireflies, who are trying to bring down Fedra or bring down the quarantine zone. And uh, why? Do you know? Because Just Fedra's because? bad. Because the because the feds, Dad, the feds, <laughs> <laughs> they're bad. <laughs> we have to fight them. I don't know. I mean, what? Do, why do you think? With just the show knowledge. They don't really explain it mm-hmm. particularly well, right? So, for, so from science fiction, science fiction point of view, right? Why is it that like the government in the future, especially government that protects you from zombies, is, has to be bad? I, I completely agree. I've actually had this right. debate on the internet a couple of times. If something like this happened in real life, how would, like, what would happen? And everyone says, like, oh, it would be way worse people would like turn on each other it would be like awful and chaos whatever and i'm like i don't i think you're assuming a lot more people are really nasty than they are that's a funny story people are pretty good at working together in communities that's why we have like the global population that we have and the control over the earth that we have because we started in we started from the bottom now we're here you know like it's the working together and caring for each other aspect that's like innate to humans that got us here so so funny story, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, just a little side note. You've read Lord of the Flies? Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, I did. Well, I was forced to read that in high school. Turns out that a real-life experiment a la Lord of the Flies happened. I think somewhere in the Polynesia. This is fairly relatively recent. There was a bunch of boys like on a boat on some trip. Something happened, and they got marooned on an island. Mm-hmm. And they lived there like for a year or so. And they were just fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, people, <laughs> people, I think they, people work together all the time. I mean, yeah. we do things for each other constantly. And I think to, to imagine that everything would immediately fall apart because like people would like suddenly become different is, is just silly. I mean, we just went through a pandemic, not as widespread as what's shown in the last of us, but right. we, we didn't, we didn't start shooting sick people. You know, we, we were trying to take care of each other and we did take care of each other as best that we could. And the majority of people abided by rules to keep each other healthy. It was a minority of right. people who were like, masks are the devil, you know, like those people. But, but uh, even then, you know, it's, it's relatively small stuff, you know. Right. And even then, other people took care of those people. Right. So it's, I do think it's a little bit nihilistic to think that, like, everything would just dissolve. I think it's also very white and Western to think that because that concept of, like, individuality and, like, valuing yourself over everyone else is a, is a selfishness that is white and western that is not it's libertarian universal. so there's this political uh, yeah philosophy libra- libertarianism where you know i don't need nobody well, i mean we'll get to that when we talk about bill, it's bill yeah <laughs> <laughs> we get one of those so the one thing in terms of science fiction ideas so one of the uh i think what i've read about this show is that they used a couple of years ago there was like a like a science a science show on uh, PBS or something about what would happen to the earth if people just disappeared. Mm-hmm. 
And I think they used a lot of the ideas from that show in terms of scenery, mm. right? So like when uh, we see, I guess we'll get to that when, when we get out of Boston. Mm -hmm. But so maybe we should talk about, uh, so we met Joel and we know what, what's happening with Joel. He's, he's now in his like 50s, right? Early 50s. Yeah, because he was 36 or something in what, at his birthday. So yeah. 20 years later. So he's in his 50s. He's, oh, Joel's also played by Pedro Pascal, who does a fantastic job. The oh, yeah. I, I, lo I, lo I yeah. love that. Yeah, yeah. The actors all of the show did a really good job. I I'm very happy with the casting and the way they work together. I just don't like the writing. But, yeah, so we meet a girl who initially goes by Veronica, but that's Ellie. And mm -hmm. she's chained up in a room, basically. An and empty room for some an reason. An empty room. And this woman named Marlene comes in and talks to her a couple times and, like, tests her. And tests Ellie's like ability to count and to say the alphabet and to say her name and like her cognitive skills basically. And Ellie's like, I I'm the same as I was yesterday and the day before. Like I'm fine. You know why are you keeping me here? Whatever, whatever. And in the course of the first episode, this woman Marlene reveals to Ellie that they have they're going to move her to a hospital out west where she needs to go, and it's very important. The Fireflies are going to move her to this hospital out west. Um, so we, we have this piece on the chessboard now. Simultaneously, Joel and Tess are trying to track down a car battery because Joel's brother Tommy, who's somewhere out west, convenient, uh, well, stopped I mean, answering the, on the radio. Right. They had, so they had some radio. It was funny. There was this one scene with a guy with a radio set and people lined up yeah. and to send messages back and forth, back like in the... Oh, it was very very similar to movies about World War Two, where under occupation, you know, the people who are under occupation kind of do secretly things like communicate via radio or some mm -hmm. such. I do think one of the reasons, too, the government seems so militarized in this story is because the creator, Neil Druckmann, is Israeli. Mm -hmm. And if you, and I read a really interesting article about this, if you compare a lot of the shots from the games and the TV show now to shots of like walls and security areas in Israel, they're almost identical. Like those big, I cement, mean, the, the, those the, big concrete the, walls are basically like what they have at the border in Israel. Right. Yeah, it's a reasonable thing to have, right? Yeah. So I mean, I think that's I think that's part of it too. Is it just like there's this you know subconscious influence there of imagining what it would be like if you had a very mm -hmm. militarized state running everything, and I, which is interesting. So Joel and Tess end up getting tangled up with this firefly situation, and by the end of episode one, Joel and Tess have agreed to in order in exchange for a car battery to move ellie from point a to point b basically they're gonna right. make her from inside boston to the capitol building and uh, because joel the smuggler and uh, he knows he has ways right exactly and both joel and ellie are like we don't want to go on this adventure together ah, angst and i think find out we find out what's special about ellie at that point no the next episode that we do or no no, no it's we... in the first one you're, you're right you're right yeah so the first episode ends. Does Marlene tell him? No, Marlene does not tell him, but Ellie ends up getting bit. They get attacked and Ellie ends up getting bit. And she had already told them. No, no, that... no, no. What happens is when they're sneaking out, mm -hmm. they get spotted by one of the guards. Mm -hmm. that, that oh, right, she gets Joel bit knows, You're right, you're right, yeah. That Joel knows and, and he has... Uh, the, the device, machine. yes. You the want the to magical device the little... that tells you. That yeah, tell us about the little device. It's like the thermometer that we had uh, during COVID. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
<laughs> you point at the person, press a button, and it shows you red light or green light. Mm-hmm. Right. So he he points. Uh, you know, when he stops them, he that it's Tess, Joel, and Ellie together. So he points light at Tess. She's green. Joel's green. She points light at Ellie, and she's red. Mm-hmm. So he's about to shoot her, and 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 Joel says, "No, no, not again." Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> and he basically <laughs> pummels him. That's a great shot too, because what happens is it's the end of the first episode. You got like an hour and a half of of television, but an hour between the two important scenes. So the one scene was. Joel holding Sarah with the gunman, pointing the gun with the light at them. Mm -hmm. And then you have Joel with Ellie behind him with the gunman pointing the light and the gun at them again. And the scene cuts and flashes to the Sarah memory and cuts back. And then Joel, like, freaks out and beats the shit out of this guy. Yeah. It was very effective because you understood immediately what was happening. Like, he was drawing this connection to the most pivotal moment of his life and just responding. And I wish they had done something like that in the finale, but they didn't. Uh, but it was very well done. So anyway, so th- so they they pummel this guy and escape, and yes. then now we into episode two. Yes. So in episode two, Ellie has to convince them, like, listen, I got bit, I nothing happened. Like, look at my old scar; it's healing. Like, I'm not infected. Yada yada. They like. Well, I'm not turning into zombie. Yeah, I'm, I'm immune. Not, yeah, I'm immune. I don't know and why. That's why. The fireflies want me to go out to this hospital because I'm immune, and I'm like the the key to the cure. And Joel's like, yeah, yeah, we've heard this a hundred times. I've heard all these snake oil salesmen with all these different cures, whatever. And Tess is like, but what if it's true this time? And Joel's like, God damn it, Tess. I don't want to participate in this plot. And Tess says, no, but what what if we participate? What if we just participate in the plot until the Capitol building? We'll just participate until then. And then we can, and then we cannot participate anymore. And Joel's like, fine. So they work their way through outside of the quarantine zone so there's zombies right well there, there's zombies so that was probably the most zombies episode right mm-hmm. so we learned a bunch and of stuff about the zombies this episode yeah we learned that the zombies respond to sound they 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 mm-hmm. you know they don't really see well but they can feel the sound and they're all connected they're all could do they're all connected man we're all connected through the great fungal connection dude yeah, so this is an addition from the game, which is a really good idea, and and showed me that Neil Druckmann and Craig Mazin, the show creators, read the entire Wikipedia article about fungus, that the fung- fungus in real life are connected in this way. Yes, they are, right. And yeah. there's been a couple, actually, um, books and sh- uh, and TV shows about uh, magic mushrooms, among other things, mm-hmm. and, and where well, they talk about fungi and how they... So, yeah, so it's all connected. So basically, and if you step if you step on like a live growth in one area, you can activate several hundred zombies in, in, within the area that come to your location, which makes the zombies so much more dangerous. So so much more dangerous. I'm sure that this is going to be a mechanic that will come up again in other episodes. I'm sure you're sure. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, what an so interesting I, idea. That's right, and. Um, so put a pin in it, and we'll come back to it. <laughs> Will we, though? Uh, you were saying the zombies can't see. So this, I don't think, was very well explained in the show. There are different kinds of zombies. The ones that can't see are called clickers. Right. And they Those see are... by echolocation. That's why they click. That was not okay. explained in That was not explained in the show. They, most of the zombies are just regular people zombies. Then mm. there's clickers. And... There's a bunch of other different kinds. We also see a bloater, which is the, or I forget if it's a bloater or a shambler. I got the confused. Which is a bloater, which is that really big one in episode five. Oh, right. Yeah. 
So just comment on the scenery in, in this part yes. of the episode where there was like a tall building fell over and yes. was running another building. See, and now I that, saw that and I was like, that looks so cool. And then you're like, this is physically impossible. So why don't you explain? B- buildings don't fall like that. So because of gravity and, 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 and the weight of the buildings, buildings tend to just collapse straight down like pancake, mm-hmm. maybe tilt a little bit, but they, they you, you cannot have a big multi-story building just leaning against another one. They're not mm-hmm. that strong. So if you, and if you want to see what destruction of a city looks like, take a look at the pictures from the earthquake that happened in Turkey, for example. Mm-hmm. There were no buildings leaning against other buildings. They just kind of collapse. Yeah, that makes sense. Because as it starts, if it were to start to lean, it would just go down to the ground and, right, right. and pancake what you're you saying. Know, you, yeah. you, you, you can try that. Build, build get some uh, blocks and build a little tower from blocks and try to push it over, see how far it goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, so that was one thing. But, I mean, the scenery was kind of based on, on, on the show I mentioned before about, you know, what the world would be like without us. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so they get to the part where they're supposed to go. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, the uh, whoopsie doodle, the fireflies are all dead. Uh, because, because as Joel says quickly, oh, one of them got infected. Oh, wait, are you talking about the fireflies? Or are you talking yeah, about yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, we skipped over, though, the, cl- the clicker scene. We should talk about the clicker scene. Oh, was that, that was before? Yeah. The... Right, they have to go to the Boston Museum. Yes, they go to the museum. And this is a level from the game. And so all the gamers went, ah! And it was really cool. This is where they had the clickers. They had really, really good makeup, costume design people, like, mm-hmm. on point. Good. They used a lot of uh, the actors, apparently, were people that were, like, fans of the game. So they, like, knew mm-hmm. how the clickers moved. And I'm like, that is so cute. I, that, that is the pureness that I've enjoyed of a TV production. And it was really cool. It was a good action sequence. A couple of things happen here that I think are important. The, I think one thing The Last of Us does successfully is that it, it subverts your expectation for certain things. So mm. we learn going into the Boston Museum that if you step on the wrong place, you're going to wake up all the zombies. So as we go into the museum, I'm like, the kid is going to step on all the things. And kill all the zo- and alert all the zombies, and it's gonna be Ellie's fault, and it's like yada yada, etc. And what ends up happening is that she does not do that, and actually Joel, when they're in the museum and they're trying to be quiet, steps on glass, which alerts the clickers to them and starts the attack. And then later, when they're at the Boston Capitol, he steps on the wrong part of the fungus and alerts the zombies to them. So he's the one kind of screwing up. And Joel kind of screwing up is a continuous character trait throughout the season until the finale. And I like that that's continuous, and I'm unhappy that it's not continuous in the finale. Well, he's a very well-developed character in that way because he's not the superhero he is in the game. He's like a 56-year-old dude who can shoot a gun and has nothing to live for. Yeah, he's a smuggler. He, he, he doesn't care, and, and he's doing it just to get the, the battery. Yeah, but he's like not like superhuman good at this. Is my point. He's right. he's normal, and I like I like that fact. So that that happens um, in the museum. Ellie gets bit again, shows them you know it's healing and stuff like that, and so it's kind of confirmed for Joel that she's immune. Immune. Yeah. Yeah. Then they go to the Capitol building, and that's when they find all and the fireflies are dead. All the whoopsie doodle fireflies are dead. And the explanation is one of them got infected, turned, and bit the others. And then the infected and the living people all killed each other. Darn. It's like a one-liner. And I'm like, all right, fine. Right. And they have to decide what, what to go next, right? 
Right. Because now they have this kid. And Tess is like, you gotta bring her. You gotta, you gotta continue this quest. Your journey has only begun, Joel. And Joel's like, no, this is stupid. And Tess is like, but listen, I was just bit by the clickers. Whoops. Uh, so I'm gonna turn. So I need you to like carry on my legacy by, you know, bringing this child because she's immune. And this is really something. This is really something important. And Joel says, fine. And then the zombies are coming. Meanwhile, well, and Joel, while in the process of having this conversation, Joel steps on the wrong fungus, and the the horde starts to come. So, and the fireflies that happen to have fuel there, right? And like this. Yeah. Uh, oh, you're right. <laughs> very com <laughs> very convenient. Conveniently. Yes. So the so they basically pour fuel around, and Joel and Ellie leave, and they light it up. And uh, they let the test lights it up just yeah. as uh, zombies are there, and then the very dramatic thing. Oh, with, with the, the lighter, lighter yeah. yeah. The, so the lighter beforehand, the four, they filled the scene. The lighter read the script and knew that it wasn't supposed to catch until just the right dramatically satisfying moment. So Tess is just standing there for like thirty-five to forty-five seconds trying to light this lighter that we've never seen before. It's not. It's, I mean, like you could you could solve plot holes like that with like a one-liner earlier on if she's like trying to light something. And she's just like, this damn lighter doesn't ever work. Then later when it doesn't work, it makes sense. But it, otherwise it just looks like, oh, the serendipity. I can't believe it. it only worked the last minute. Ugh. Well, this is also the second scene where we see the uh, tendrils coming out of somebody's mouth. Yes. The, the zombie uh, gives uh, Tess the Dementor's kiss. And she lights up the gasoline. Yeah, and she lights up the gasoline, and then she dies. You were surprised when Death Tess died, from what I recall. Yeah, I, I, I didn't realize they were going to kill every new character in every show, <laughs> in every episode. So I got used to it after a while. Yeah. <laughs> I <laughs> like Tess a lot. I figured she, she would go along, you know. Yeah, I like Tess too. I thought she was good. So then we get to episode three. where, where Then we, we have an interlude. Uh, we go into our little plot cul-de-sac for... An hour and a half. <laughs> Bill and Frank were, uh, was a nice episode. Everybody loved it. Like mm -hmm. you know, I thought it was you know nice lo little love story. So, but it was my yeah, my analysis of this has been and will remain the following: it was a very good episode of television. It was a bad episode of The Last of Us. It was a good episode of TV if it was its own standalone vignette. If it was a short film, well acted, well scripted, well shot emotional connecting to the audience interesting you know all those things like you wanted to watch the episode and keep seeing what happened and you wanted to see what happened with these people over the course of their lives but you could skip it watching the season and lose nothing to right. the narrative you could watch one so, two and four and you'd have no questions i have I mean, complaints of course about the the premise of the episode right mm -hmm. so uh who was it uh Bill was the survivalist, right? Yeah, so let's explain how we get there. So what happens is Joel and Ellie are now walking to Bill and Frank's because Tess told Joel, take her to Bill's, he'll know what to do with her. Like, he'll have an idea of what to do with her. And so they're on the road to Bill's, and Joel is kind of telling Ellie about Outbreak Day or whatever, and then the scene, like, cuts to back to, to Outbreak Day to Bill's neighborhood. Right. And, you know, the government comes tells everybody to leave that you're going to be moved to quarantine zone or whatever and you know they have these uh, 
bits and pieces showing you that some people were actually just shot basically and mm. and and, and uh, because i guess they were suspected they were inspected and they say this in this one... episode that those people were shot because there's a connection between like a bunch of bodies that ellie sees and right. these people from bill's neighborhood and joel says they were shot because there wasn't enough room in the quarantine zones and this is one of those things where i'm like that is not how real life works the, the government is not that evil it's not like ruled by an evil overlord who's like shoot the masses like it's just it's not that's not the situation that's very it's very right. unrealistic that that kind of thing would happen but so anyway so so bill is survivalist he's got a basement full of of guns and ammo and and food and and uh, all kinds of stuff to survive and he hides from the government so they don't find him so he doesn't get to evacuate he gets to stay yes right so he has his own little town to himself and they show him like going to uh, i guess the power plant nearby and turning it back on yeah <laughs> which is kind of <laughs> just need to and, reset the router it's fine <laughs> yeah just flip the on switch he goes to home depot brings stuff right mm -hmm. and uh and he builds a little town with a fence around it that's electrified with traps. Kind of he built traps around so that the you know, zombies can fall into them. Mm -hmm. He grows his own food. He starts growing his own food. And uh, mind you, this, this hap he does this for like 20 years. So, in well, total, I mean, yeah. In total, yeah. So anyway, so one day, one of his traps, something falls into it. Mm -hmm. And he goes there and it's not a zombie. No, it's Frank, and it's the cutest it's... meat cute ever. <laughs> <laughs> and it's Frank. So the Frank says, look, I'm going to the QZ. Just, you know, kept me over for dinner. Fit me a bit. And so I'm, I'm really hungry. Mm -hmm. So he takes him home. Mm -hmm. And he, he, you know, he knows what wine to, goes with rabbit. Yeah, so that's clearly a so... sign that he's gay. <laughs> right. <laughs> so and, I actually, yeah. I, I kind of like how they play on the stereotypes a little bit because... Stereotypes are bad when they're, like, insulting and when they, like, are oppressing people. But stereotypes also come from somewhere uh, a lot of times. And, the like, it's, it's like, funny in, like, not a bad way. Like, Bill and Frank aren't the butt of that joke. It's, like, it's a good skill that Bill has that he, like, knows how to set a table and, like, how to entertain someone as a, as a dinner guest and what wine goes with the rabbit. And they're, like, slowly feeling each other out during this whole dinner scene i so it, like it worked in that way i thought it was it was okay in that way right and then uh, frank starts playing piano and mm -hmm. some linda ronstadt song that they're into mm -hmm. and one mm -hmm. thing goes to another and eventually they fall in love pretty mm -hmm. quickly i guess that there were there wasn't much choice anyway yeah that wasn't like post-apocalypse <laughs> tinder to get you try out <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so frank ends up staying and they they have a lovely little life together. And basically, this is an hour and a half long episode. 55 minutes of this episode, the, the middle 55 minutes, is their life. Their life together. And just like various things that happen. Strawberries. Things, yeah, really significant strawberries. <laughs> Everyone's like, oh my god, <laughs> it was so beautiful. And I'm like, do you do know that gay people exist in other media, right? Like, there are plenty of scenes like this that are, quote-unquote, so beautiful. Like, the way that people reviewed this episode, it, they, they, like, gave away the fact that they don't watch any gay media at all. Yeah, yeah. And, like, right. you, you obviously mean, have I've not seen anything else. <laughs> I've read a bunch of uh, reviews just like that. But yeah. um, 
the thing that bothered me about that episode, and it's, it's again, it's like I said, it's, it was a lovely episode. Mm-hmm. And they actually briefly touch, you know, Tess and Joel kind of come and visit them at one point and they meet, so we know that they know them, mm-hmm. right? Just the fact, like, they had hot water, gas, electricity, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's more than one person's job to get that kind of stuff running. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And it kind of fed into that, like, government conspiracy theorist libertarian like i can do everything on my own i don't i don't need nobody else kind of fantasy that isn't actually true like you can't like you cannot keep those things running on your own you can't well one of the the things that they mentioned looking at what people saying about this episode online somebody you know sort of agreed with with this this idea and they said you know this was in massachusetts Massachusetts gets pretty heavy winters. Mm-hmm. They didn't show any snow at all during the 20 yeah. years. Yeah, <laughs> they did. Oh, well, it was maybe... always nice. <laughs> it was always nice. Out. And they also, like, this is an episode where there could have been a zombie problem. You know, you could have had a situation where a horde passed through and knocked down your gate. Well, there were some like, raiders that, that There were some raiders at one point. And I'm like, I'm glad that they didn't die from zombies or raiders. I'm glad they died from old age, I thought, ultimately. I thought, I thought that... that the, uh, Bill would die from the Raiders. Yeah, I thought so shot, too. Yeah. And I was going to be like, oh, like, because there's a, a trope, we've talked about this trope before, it's called Bury Your Gaze. It's the fact that in television and media, gay people get killed off like crazy from like anything. You know, they're like very vulnerable on screen. They just die all Red shirts. Yeah, exactly. It's not a good trope. And so I was worried about that. So I'm glad that that didn't happen. I think that was a smart decision to have them live to old age and by the way this is very different from the game the way this is done in the game so this is a massive improvement from the bill story in the game and it's lovely and it's sad you know they choose to the the one uh frank gets sick and yeah he gets some kind of disease uh, yeah like a degenerative kind of disease right right and he decides you know basically uh i'm gonna end my life we're gonna have one last good day together and that's gonna and i, I can't live like this anymore i'm in too much pain and Bill says, bet, uh, we're going to have a one last good day together, and then we're both going to kill ourselves. And so they drink poison wine, and they die together. And it's, like, very romantic and, like, very... Romeo like, and Juliet. Yeah, like a tragic thing, yeah. romance kind of situation, but, like, they got to live. It wasn't really tragic. It was after, like, 20 years of Yeah, of, of I mean, they got together, to live, so. like, a lovely life together. And that's that's why I'm saying it's a good episode of television. It's good representation, and it was well done. But then our main characters come to the house weeks after they've died and have no, never have interaction with them. Ellie, our main, who is our main character? Ellie is our main character. Yeah. Ellie never meets them. That, how could, I mean, all they get from the Bill and Frank bit is that they get a car to use to drive well, to the Well, supplies and stuff, right, right. Yeah, they get like logistical equipment. <laughs> well, it's something. It was such a missed opportunity. Knowing especially what we know about Ellie, given the later episodes. So, because Ellie is gay, too. For tiny gay Ellie to have met a loving, functional, together gay couple in the zombie apocalypse, especially given what happened the last time a girl kissed her. A girl kissed her and then that girl got bit by a zombie and died. (laughs) So, that would have been, like, transformative for Ellie's character and for Ellie's life. And it could have been so significant. But they just didn't do it, and I don't know why. Well, I mean, Ellie is, is is a child brought up during zombie apocalypse. She's she's already damaged. But it's like, why 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 not have them kill themselves after meeting them? You know, 
you know, meet them and have well, I mean, you know, the, and, and no. then and then say, you know, you know, Bill, we've done everything we could. We've like we've had the best impact we can. Like it's time, you know, that kind of. It's like I don't. It it was too. It was unfortunately too disconnected from the main narrative to justify being fifty five minutes of screen time. So we are to, up to episode three, and we've been talking for. 50 I know it's a lot. <laughs> it's okay. Four and five roll together. The episodes get shorter from here on out. All the episodes at the beginning <laughs> of the season are long. So episode four and five are kind of one story. Basically, Joel and Ellie are on their way somewhere out west. I forget where they're trying to go. Well, they're going to to um, Wisconsin somewhere or Wyoming. Wyoming, uh, yeah. They're driving through Kansas, trying to go through Kansas, and the road is blocked. Mm-hmm. One thing that that about that particular thing. So they, they basically say, oh, we'll take the streets. We get up the highway. And that turns out to be bad. Because mm-hmm. Joel gets lost. Joel gets lost a lot. Again, he's a normal dude. Well, Joel gets lost. And it's also, you know, most uh, big cities have like a beltway, which is a huge big highway that goes around the city. So you don't have to go through city traffic. Mm-hmm. So why didn't they just turn around and find the beltway? I don't know. Maybe but, that was the beltway that was, that was blocked. I don't know. So, yeah, they try to go through the city. And they get attacked by ra- raiders. And Joel almost gets killed at this point. Right. Some, a guy gets him. And Ellie has to come out and shoot that guy. And Joel's like, ooh, I'm so sorry. And like later in the episode, Joel's like, you know, I'm sorry. And Joel has there. a breakdown because, you know, you're too young to be killing people. Yeah, he's like, I'm sorry you had to kill somebody. Like, Nick, you shouldn't have to do that. And Ellie's like, it's cool. It's not my first kill. Which is not exactly true from what we learn later. She's like, it's not my first kill. And he's like, okay, cool. Bet. Then here, I'm going to show you how to use this gun. <laughs> <laughs> and then he gives her a pistol and teaches her how to hold it. And it's a cute father-daughter bonding moment uh, in the post-apocalypse. So so there's the side, side story of Henry and Sam. Right. Most of this episode, yeah. I think, we spend with Henry and Sam. And who's, who's the woman? So it, what happened in Kansas City, there was a quarantine zone that got, for some reason, Fedra got basically uh, overrun by, I guess, fireflies. It wasn't fireflies. It was their version of like an uprising. Yeah, I forget what the right. group is. But yeah, it's right. basically a Fedra got taken over. And the titular leader of this group is a woman named Kathleen. Kathleen, right. Yeah. Who we learn her brother had been the actual leader, but he was outed to the feds. To Fedra, I mean, I'm sorry, not the feds. Uh, and right. they took him and executed him. And we learned that the reason he was outed to the feds was because Henry gave that information to Fedra. So it's Henry's fault. So Kathleen is hunting Henry and Sam to try to find them before they escape. And Sam is Henry's child. How no, old, Sam like, is ten... Henry's younger brother. Younger brother, younger brother, yes. right. And the, the, the reason uh, Henry betrayed the leader of the movement was because he wanted to get medicine for, for his brother. So Sam is eight years old, deaf, and a child leukemia survivor. I wonder if he has a bright red target on him, too. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't it be sad if that child died? Wouldn't it be really sad if that happened? So Joel and Ellie end up meeting Sam and Henry in episode five. Right. And they like formulate a plan to like escape together, more or less, because they're all trying to get out of there. Right. And they go through these tunnels. Now, you should know that the tunnels in the section of the game is a very popular section of the game. It's really fun. It's full of zombies. And it's there was really actually like a play. little bit in the beginning of 
one of those episodes where Kathleen and Hermaine and Forsha mm -hmm. go to like in some basement somewhere and the floor is moving. Yeah. And she's like, we're going to deal with that later. <laughs> and what we learned from uh, Henry. Yes, you are. <laughs> yeah. What we learned from Henry is that the reason there's no infected in the quarantine zone is because the infected had all been driven underground. And that that's why there weren't any, which to me, I'm like, that still means there are them in the quarantine zone. They're just in your sewer that I'm assuming you're trying to use for your plumbing and stuff. Right? <laughs> so they go into the, the tunnels that definitely don't have zombies in them. And it turns out they don't have zombies in them. And they walk through it and it's fine. And this is where Henry sits down with Joel and Henry says, um, he looks directly at the camera and says, I am the bad guy because I did a bad thing by turning in our leader and trying to save and saving my brother's life. I am right. there, therefore I am bad. Don't you, don't you see my themes? Do you feel conflicted, audience? <laughs> anyway, so they get out of the, of the tunnels, and they're walking through the little suburb, and they're about to leave Kansas City. Mm -hmm. They have to get to a bridge. Yes. And all of a sudden, somebody starts shooting at them. Yes. Now, I'm going to pause you here for a second, because uh, this is one of those points where I was mad at Neil Druckmann and Craig Mazin, because earlier in the episode, Kathleen has this scene that's totally useless, where she's standing in like a child in her childhood bedroom and her main enforcer guy comes and is like, mm -hmm. you know, we've been looking for you for hours. Like your mom told us you'd be here. Like, what are you doing here? And Kathleen gives like a villain monologue about how she must avenge her brother, even though her brother told her before he died to forgive and, and forget. She can't possibly do that because didn't you know she's evil? So she has to continue right. to hunt Henry and a leukemia surviving deaf child. She must hunt them down. So she's in like this random room in a house. So when the, our group is walking down the street and someone starts to shoot at them from a random house, I'm thinking that's Kathleen. That's because she's back in her, in her childhood bedroom thinking about her brother, mourning her brother. And because she's there mourning the brother that Henry killed, she is now a physical impediment to Henry escaping. But that's not at all what happened. It's just a random guy in the building. Well, it's not a random guy. It was, he was sent by Kathleen. He was just a, a, a watcher. He wasn't, they didn't know where they were. It wasn't like Kathleen said, go there because they're going to come this way. He was just Well, they, they probably scout. had several people she, yeah. like that. He was in radio contact with Kathleen. Yeah. Right. So, so uh, when he had them pinned behind some old cars, he called them on the radio. And, of course, Joel gets up there. Yeah, Joel does, you, he uses sneak, he presses circle and uses sneak and goes around the side of the house and goes up and uh, kills kills the old man who's shooting at them. He t tells the old man, you know, just give me the gun and you can leave and you can, he, he sees the radio and he says, well, I guess not. Yep, whoops, <laughs> cool. And then we get a really cool action sequence. Do you want to talk yeah, about this? Yeah, This was cool. Yeah, that was probably the best. So as as Joel's doing this, he's up in his house with this uh, sniper's gun mm -hmm. and we can hear the cars coming down the street like all these it's very like uh what was that movie anyway so there's mad this max? whole crew yeah mad max yeah. type of a yeah scene and and all these cars these guys with beards and guns and mm -hmm. with kathleen at the head and basically they're starting to chase henry and ba basically the pin the pin henry and and Kathleen, you know, he Henry comes out, I think, with his hands up. 
Mm-hmm. And Kathleen says, you know, is trying to, you know, I am going to kill you, Mr. Bond. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> she said, I am the villain of these two episodes. <laughs> but what had happened when the cars were driving up was that Joel had shot the driver out from one of the trucks and it had turned and crashed into like a house. So right. that caught fire. So that was like giving lighting to the setting. So we have like this big house fire happening in the background. Right. And all of a sudden, the, the ground underneath the car seems to collapse and, and the car falls down. And at just and that just moment, guess what? <laughs> guess what comes out of the ground? <laughs> All the sun, the entire budget for the show comes out of the ground at that moment. <laughs> just a huge horde of zombies. Super cool. Again, makeup and effects excellent. And one of the few times in the show where I think the zombies were like really frightening, like really, really yeah. scary. Yeah. Just the sheer number of them, and chaos ensues at that point. Right, and and you know. Ellie and, and Henry and, and Sam are trying to get away from them. She gets into a car for a while. Meanwhile, Joel is from his position as a sniper, kills a lot of zombies. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love the way, this is the first scene I thought really showed that Joel and Ellie have been developing a bond at this point. And we're five episodes in, so we're more than halfway through the season, and I wasn't like sold on the, the quote-unquote father-daughter bond between the two of them. Mm-hmm. Because Joel, like immediately, Joel's in the crow's nest, Ellie's out in the field, they immediately like look at each other and just start to work together. Like she's running with her knife. He's sniping the right kind of zombies to clear her path. She's helping to save Sam and Henry. She's saving herself. You know, she's like they're trying. Like they're all they're working together just perfectly. And the fact that their brains clicked like that, it's a really good example of show don't tell. So uh-huh. instead of someone in the script looking at the at the camera and saying we have grown closer in these times, they showed me through the characters' actions that. They're, they're becoming of one mind and are able to really work together in that kind of way. So it was, it was really well done. I like that a lot. Anyway, the, the big zombies come out. There's one huge zombie that comes yeah. out. That was kind of unusual. I didn't expect that one. That was for the gamers. That was a bloater. The, oh, okay. the, the concept that I, I don't think was very well explained in the show is that the longer you survive as an infected, the more weird infected you become. Okay. So you're like a regular one, then you're like a clicker, then you're maybe what's called a stalker, which we I don't think we saw any in this show, and then you're maybe a bloater, and then if you just if you just keep being infected, you just get keep getting progressively more gross and fungal. But they didn't they didn't explain that. You didn't you didn't get that from watching the show, right? No, not at all. Yeah. So then Kathleen confronts them. They're almost they almost escape. They're almost out. Right. And Kathleen gets them at gunpoint and is like, "You can't leave. I'm the villain." And you might think that one of the main characters, any of them, we have four at this point, any of them would kill Kathleen in some kind of significant or thematic or moral way. But instead, she gets jumped from behind by a zombie. Yeah, jumping zombie. Yeah, and then she gets away. And I heard, this is the hot takes on the internet. Hot take on the internet was, Kathleen was killed because of her own her own problem, like she caused her own death because she was told about the zombie horde underground and she didn't take care of it because she was too focused on getting Sam and Henry. And then the zombie that killed her was a zombie child and she was trying to kill a child. And I was like, that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. This woman yeah. had no control over the horde. I mean, if they had gone into the basement to try to kill this horde, they would have just been killed. The horde was overwhelming. She didn't cause the Horde to be there. She just recently came into power. 
And she wasn't killed by a child. She was killed by a zombie. It's not a child anymore. It's a, it's a zombie. So, no. Good, good try, but no. So anyway, so, so the, the whole bunch of them get away. And they have some touchy uh, moments in the motel. Yeah. And um, where Ellie and Sam read the same comic books. Mm-hmm. And then it turns and, out, oh, no. Oh, no. Uh, Sam, was, Sam was bit. Sam was bit. By Sam. And Ellie tries to heal him. Right. She tries to heal him because she says, I'm, maybe if I rub some blood on you. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's, it was worth a try. Yeah. Sadly, it did not work. Mm-hmm. So they get up in the morning, and whoops, Sam is a zombie. Yeah. And he jumps. Uh, he jumps on Ellie, I think. Yeah. When Joel tries to shoot him, Henry kind of takes his gun away. Mm-hmm. And uh, and Henry shoots him. Yep. And then killing his own brother, he can't take it anymore, so he shoots himself. So there we have two more kind of fun characters to have, and they're dead at the end of the episode. Mm-hmm. I expected this as a game player because that, that scene is almost frame for frame the, from mm-hmm. the video game. So what did you think about Sam and Henry's death? It was kind of large. I mean, once uh, Sam was infected, mm-hmm. I didn't expect, you know, Henry was so so attached to him and, and his kind of life was so motivated by protecting Sam that he failed at this point and there was no point of him living, so it, it kind of makes sense. Mm-hmm. Do you think they needed to die as part of the narrative? Well, if they didn't, there would be a road trip of four people. Yeah, the next episode is Jackson. I mean, they could have road trip to Jackson and then stayed at Jackson. Yeah. But like overarching for the whole story, thinking about the whole thing. Do you well, think- I was getting used to any, any character that, that appeared would get killed by the end of the episode. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm I'm always back and forth on their deaths because on the like on the one hand it is dramatic to have and it is dramatic and realistic to have people die from zombie infection in your zombie apocalypse story. Mm-hmm. It just is. On the other hand, it's like I I prefer the game characters because they're much more realistic as real people and they really piled it on with Sam is eight, and I think in the game he's like 14. It's like Ellie's age, 14 and 15. Mm-hmm. He's eight years, he's like a literal child. He's deaf and he has leukemia. And it's like, oh, Jesus, how many things are you going to pile on this character to, you know, to then kill him? It's just like, it was a yeah. lot. It was a lot. But I don't, I don't hate it. I, I can see its use in the narrative. I wish, like Bill and Frank, I wish Sam and Henry had been mentioned again. Because they die, and then they're mentioned briefly in the beginning of episode six, but they're never again mentioned. So, oh, are they? Ellie mentions oh. them briefly. She says she like wants to talk about it, but Joel says no. But like, you know what I mean? Like, nothing about Bill or Bill and Frank or Sam and Henry seems to have actually impacted the way the characters behave. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, Bill and Frank had barely any any effect. Oh, any interaction with the, the main characters, just except that they took the truck. Sam and Henry had more of the opportunity to affect character arc, but I don't think it actually went anywhere. I, I could try to tease something out with the next Jackson episode, but it wasn't it wasn't apparent on our script, and it wasn't something that the character like the char- people would talk about that. Like you don't just like 
spend several days with two people who get brutally killed in front of you and then never speak about it again. Like, it's the kind of thing that you talk about. So it's just odd. It was it's odd to me that it wasn't more woven into subsequent Well, episodes. I mean, Joel is the strong silent type, so... Yeah, but Ellie's breaking down those walls. Ellie's breaking <laughs> down those walls. <laughs> so, so yeah, they die, and then our characters get away, and we pick up. Do we pick up in winter next episode? Is that when we start? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's snow, and they, they stop by some old Indian couple, mm-hmm. and they Joel needs needs some help with the map. Yes, Joel is lost again, <laughs> and he does this thing that he did that he does later where he says okay tell me where i am on the map and you better be telling me the same thing as as your wife told me mm-hmm. so yeah, i exactly. think the, the the indians were actually the most realistic survivor survival people in the in this whole thing because the guy mm-hmm. was hunting for rabbits with bow and arrow and you know mm-hmm. like all these people who hunt with guns and rifles like who makes the ammunition right i've always wondered that because in the games I mean, there are like there are throwaway lines in the games about like well I guess ammo wasn't scarce back then, and it's like, it's been decades, bud. Is it still? Is it? Is it only scarce now, or is it gone now? <laughs> well, I mean, you can certainly make uh, bullets and stuff. It just requires some some tools and stuff. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so so they they're out in Wyoming and uh, kind of walking along, and so one thing I want get... to talk about in this episode is with Joel's character, which I thought was mm-hmm. really great. Joel starts to have these like panic attacks in this episode where all right he... and that didn't go anywhere right i was about to say you think you think this might go somewhere you might see this again but you only see it in this episode i but only starts... see it in memes that's the about the only place i see yeah it. <laughs> he has these pan- but they're so realistic because he's like he's just being broken down by like failure after failure so like his initial failure was sarah dying letting letting sarah die Mm-hmm. And every failure after that is just like chipping away at whatever remaining confidence he has. And as he's developing this relationship with Ellie, she's sort of, you know, emotionally replacing Sarah to him, obviously. And it makes the most obvious parallel. And right. that those fears of failure are coming back to the surface. And he has throughout this episode two or three of these panic attacks where the camera work is really beautiful. He like pedro pascal like holds his chest and like can't breathe and it's like you know the the camera kind of gets fuzzy and stuff like that it's very it's a very well done technique and there's a place in the finale i wish they had used it and we'll get there i i wish they had done something more with it than just this episode but i thought he was getting heart attack at first i thought so too but then it went away first of all so it's right you know but then it, it based on his speech later to tommy it became clear what was happening emotionally with him so the native american couple says definitely don't cross this river this one river very dangerous bad place to be nobody comes back from across this river and joel and ellie say yeah we're the main characters it's fine we'll be fine (laughs) right and they cross the river of death and then it turns out they're lost again like joel got them turned around and they get besieged by a bunch cowboys. of ca- a bunch of cavalry, yeah, cowboys show up and they get surrounded by cow- cowboys, and the cowboys want to test to see if they're infected. So you remember, do you remember what they do? Yeah, they have a dog. Mm-hmm. So we learned in episode yeah. one that dogs react to people who are infected because right. the family dog that Sarah had brought back to the house 
had been reacting to grandma before anybody knew grandma was infected. So it's this science fiction implication that they react to somebody who's infected, which is a good concept, but it doesn't, it, you know, it doesn't alert on Joel. Obviously he's not infected, but it also doesn't alert on Ellie. Right. Which confuses me. Well, maybe it has to be like real infection. Maybe the head body was suppressing it. So, but the machine lit up on her. Well, so the machine is much more sensitive. Okay. Okay. I can take that as a science fiction explanation. I just thought if you're going to introduce the concept of dogs being able to tell if you're infected, that feels like it's very set up for that to get your characters into trouble. Not Maybe to you get had your to characters be fresh, in... freshly infected or something. Yeah. And it just seemed odd to me that it didn't lead. And then after that, we never hear about it again. There's no more, there's no more dogs in the show. So that's it. So it turns out. These nice people, these nice cowboys, are from a nice little local town called Jackson, which I love. And Jackson's in the game. Well, that, it's very exciting. Jackson Hole, Wyoming, is, is a real city. Oh. Yeah. And who's in Jackson? Tommy. Tommy! We found him! Yay! And they hug and everything's great. They have movie nights and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like a real, it's like a regular town they have like they're growing stuff or whatever it's really cute because the woman who brings them in who's like one of the one of the leaders of the town her name is maria turns out to be tommy's wife Mm -hmm. she's like walking them around and she's like we do everything together here like we share the labor there's like 300 of us or so it's like a pretty small group but like you know we share the labor we do the watches we do the building whatever and joel makes a joke to tommy and he's like you know you got like you're communists like you're living under communism now, huh, brother? Now, Joel and Tommy are from Texas originally. So Tommy's like, we're not communists. And Maria's like, no, we we literally live on a commune. We're literally communists. And Tommy's face is just like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> like he never thought about it before. It was very cute. So what else so happened anyway, to so Jackson? I, Joel wants to continue the, the trip to wherever that, 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 I think trying to get to Salt Lake City, right? Yes. The hospital's in Salt Lake and City. To the hospital in Salt Lake City. No, I'm sorry, not the hospital. No, no, they're trying to get to, Colo- it's in Colorado that they're trying to get to. The, the final one is Salt Lake City. Yes, so right now they're trying to get to the University of Colorado because right. that's where they, they heard the fireflies are. He's trying to convince Tommy to take her because he doesn't feel that he's able, he would be able to do it, right? Right. And, and I think this and, is a great, I think this is a great culmination of what they've been building in the episodes, which is that Joel is just like a normal dude. He's like, he gets lost, he messes up, he gets injured, like all these things. He's not superhuman and he's recognizing the fact that he's not the safe choice for this particular mission. And he cares about Ellie getting there safely. And he says to Tommy, like, I can't do it. Like, I'm just, I'm just gonna get her killed. I'm just gonna get her in trouble. You've gotta do this for me. It's very important, she's immune. You know, you have to, you have to, have to do this. It's a great scene. Pedro Pascal's acting is on point. So Tommy kind of agrees eventually. Even he says, you know, I'm staying here. I'm not going any. I don't mm-hmm. want to go anywhere. I'm going to be a dad. Mm-hmm. And, and Joel says, "How dare you be a dad when my daughter died that one time?" Tommy says, uh, "Just because life stopped for you doesn't mean it stopped for everyone else," which is a great line. That was almost a really great line. Because of the whole, we we didn't talk about the watch. Joel's watch that Sarah got fixed, it gets shattered, the, it gets broken the night she's shot. Mm-hmm. Did you did you know this or not from watching? Yeah, I noticed it. Then, but then you know, it's like he always wears it. It's always broken, and it's 
whatever. And they never do anything with it. I know. It drives me crazy. I just, they were so close. They were so close to having such a cool theme about time stopping because they have Sarah's daughter gives him watch and day she dies, watch is broken in, in the moment of her death. It stopped at the time she died. Like it's very potentially metaphorical and symbolic. Then we have Tommy saying, just because life stopped for you doesn't mean it stopped for everyone else. He could have said, just because time stopped for you doesn't mean it stopped for anyone else. It's right there, Neil. It's right there, Neil. You almost had it. And then... <laughs> We have uh, in the finale, which we'll get to, where uh, Ellie says, well, time heals all wounds. And Joel says it wasn't time, meaning it was Ellie. Right. But right. we were so close to having a really good theme about time and a nice little symbol that we're wearing on our wrist the whole show. But we didn't <laughs> do it. It makes me so mad. Anyway. <laughs> I'm passionate about this. Anyway, uh, Tommy's like, so- all right, all right, I'll take her. And they, they go down in the mornings to, to get on the horse, set everything well, up. Well, first Joel goes to tell Ellie that uh-huh. he's going to give her over to Tommy. And this is also, this is a scene that's pretty much frame for frame from the video game. And Ellie's like, basically, don't leave me, we've bonded. And Joel's like, you're not my daughter, I'm not your dad. And, er, mad. And then there's like a weird Christmas montage of, um... Like Joel remembering having Christmas with Sarah, and then the next day he changes his mind and decides he's going to go with Ellie. And right, and he actually asked her to make a choice. Yeah, he's like, "You deserve a choice," which I'm like, "None." There aren't any themes in the show about choice, and it's not like Sarah had a choice to get right. shot or not. Like it's not like there's like I don't know where that came out of. And Ellie chooses to go with Joel, and I said, "Why didn't she just go with both of them?" Because Tommy says the hosp- the university is only a few days ride away, and Tommy was going to go anyway. So like, so this is one of those things where adaptationally it, it is different. In the game, Joel's trying to like pawn her off and not be responsible for her anymore, but events occur that make him realize that he cares about her and he he wants to be responsible for her. The way this unfolds, unfortunately, it doesn't make sense that Tommy didn't go. Tommy was ready to go with him. And it would have just been safer for both of them to go. Well. It wasn't an either or, you know what I mean? They get to the diversity, and of course, there's nothing there. It's all empty. Mm-hmm. And they, they, they get attacked by some raiders. Mm-hmm. Right. So they find and... the university a map that shows Salt Lake City, and that becomes their new destination. Right. To try to find the fireflies. And they get attacked by some raiders, and oh no. Joel gets seriously injured. Joel gets seriously injured. Stabbed in the stomach with like a piece of wood or something. Yeah. He kills one of the raiders. The, ra- the raider that stabs him, he kills. Right. And then they escape on the horsey into the, the winter wilderness. And then Joel falls off the horse. And Ellie's like, no. And that's where that episode right. ends. So then... And the, the next episode is, is, is an interlude. Oh, so the next episode is the best episode of the season. Um <laughs> <laughs> No, this is just this is my personal favorite episode because this is my kind of show. It's I will watch a, a gay first date at a mall any day. It's it's like they said, let's write an episode specifically for Caroline, and they, they did it, and I said yes, thank you, I'll take that. And uh, this is what's <laughs> also in in the game as well. So Joel is mort- mortally wounded, and Ellie has him. Well, hidden. not mortally, but seriously. Well, very seriously wounded. Ellie has him hidden like a basement, and she's trying to take care of him, whatever. So we get about 
two minutes, two to three minutes of them together in the beginning of the episode. Ellie runs. She up sews the... him up. Yeah. Yeah. Ellie runs up the stairs, pauses at the door at the top of the stairs. Now Joel told her to leave. Told's, Joel's like, just go back to Tommy. Leave me here. She runs to the top of the stairs and pauses at the top of the stairs. And then it cuts to this really, really long flashback. That is the majority of the episode. And we'll talk about that in a second. But when we pick back up at the end, she's in the kitchen of the house looking for supplies to sew him up with. And then she goes downstairs and sews him up. So she doesn't leave. That decision to cut the episode that way makes absolutely no sense to me. The, the memory that she has has nothing to do with what's going on. So, like, why did we do that? Right? I don't know. <laughs> well, no, I mean, she. this was like another person that was important to her and who, as we, of course, dies. So she <laughs> probably did not want Joel to die. <laughs> it's... It's one of those things where it's like, I really like this episode of Ellie and Riley. I wish these flashback scenes had been spread out throughout several episodes. I don't mm. think flashback episodes are very, very functional. I think an entire episode of just straight flashback ruins the flashback element of it. Because when you have a memory, naturally, you have a memory like we saw in episode one, where Joel was with the gunman. The gunman's pointing the light. You have a flash right. of a memory. That's how memories work. That's how flashbacks actually work. To to give me a whole... Like, that episode was like 55 minutes. It gave me like a whole 50 minutes of flashback. Is It's just not... You're, you're missing the point of the flashback for It's not a flash. It's an entire other narrative that you're telling me. So I, I just think structurally, it didn't make a lot of sense. So basically... Episode 7 is Ellie and her friend Riley back before Ellie was bit. It's the, it's the story of the night Ellie was bit. Right. And it's back in Boston. They sneak out for the night together. Riley's kind of talking about joining the Fireflies. Ellie's kind of trying to convince her to come back to the Fedra Military School. And they go to this mall. And then Riley had gotten the electricity to work at this mall. And they do all this cool stuff. And it is so cute. It yeah, is just yeah. the cutest thing. And they're on like a carousel and they're like playing video their, games, playing video games, picture taken, yeah, picture taken. Riley's checking off all the things you need to do with the girl at the mall. He's doing everything right. They go to a Halloween store. It's adorable. What I really like about this episode is Bella Ramsey's acting, the girl that plays Ellie. Mm -hmm. I think she really, this is like a really good episode for her and for the, like her acting skills. And, um, Storm Reed, who played Riley, also they, the two of them played off each other very well. So it was a very nice episode. We learned a little bit about the Fireflies, that Ellie thinks they're kind of a terrorist group. They do have Riley in the mall guarding their stash of bombs. So right. they kind of are a terrorist group. And ultimately, shockingly, Riley gets bit by a zombie and dies. <laughs> Yeah, before they have a nice little dance scene mm -hmm. and, and a kiss. And they kiss, and it's the cutest thing ever. And, and then naturally, after that, forever. the zombie comes. <laughs> but again, I'm not really mad when people in a zombie story die from being bit by a zombie. That's, again, like the innate risk of living in the zombie apocalypse world. So, so they get bit together and decide to to just like let themselves go crazy, basically, and like, be all romantic together and just, like, turn. And so Riley turns, but Ellie does not. 
Right. Well, we don't see that. It's just we just, we know it right. because. And Ellie says later that the first person she had killed, but she told Joel she's killed someone else before. She says the first person she killed was Riley. But she said Riley turned and I had like I killed her. And I'm like, so you didn't exactly you didn't kill a per you killed a zombie. She was a zombie right. at that point. That is fundamentally different than killing a fully fun non fungal person, you know? So I mean, all right, you kinda killed someone before. I'm sure emotionally you, you feel like you've killed someone before, but so that's a good so that episode, I just want to draw a parallel between that one and episode three. Because that's like about like a a little side romance too. That's right. impactful to the plot because it's about our main character. Right. So that's the difference. So we have a lovely episode seven, and then we have episode eight. <laughs> so tell me your thoughts about episode eight because I'm so interested to see, see what you thought. So in episode eight, right? So what happens is we come back to Joel is injured, mm-hmm. and he's still not do- not dead, you know, which is pretty good because no more person would die from loss of blood by now yeah but but he's still kind of trying recovering he's kind of semi-conscious lying in the basement Mm -hmm. and they need food so ellie decides to go hunting Mm -hmm. right she takes the rifle and you know early on there were some scenes where joel is trying to teach her how to shoot yeah and she couldn't hit hit anything (laughs) so so she's hunting and she stumbles upon a, a buck Mm-hmm. And she shoots it, mm-hmm. and she and actually she hits, hits it. it. Yeah. Yep. It doesn't die immediately, but it, it dies. Mm-hmm. And then, as she goes to pick it up, she meets a couple other people. Mm-hmm. And those other people we introduced early on was like another little town where it was somewhat religious congregation. It seemed like, and the leader, mm-hmm. whose name was was it David. David. Yeah. Seemed to be like very. Strict and strong leader, and um, there were like hints at things that I kind of missed, but then it were kind of obvious mm-hmm. by the time. So th- it was middle of the winter; they were starving. They, were, they didn't have very, very much food, mm-hmm. and he and a couple other guys went going out hunting. Mm-hmm. And you know, I guess they didn't have Ellie's skills because they they could not find anything. Yes. <laughs> But did, also in the Dave, beginning, David talks about the fact that one of their members had just been killed recently. Right. Uh, a man well, had just been killed, yeah. Men died. They don't, she, he said there's a girl crying because her father died. Mm-hmm. And he's, she said she wanted to know when they're going to bury him. Mm-hmm. And David says, well, it, the ground is too hard right now for us to dig. We'll bury him in the spring. Mm-hmm. And, and that was the hint. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Every gamer in the audience went, whoa, oh. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, di- I didn't get it. I mean, I remembered the, what he said. So yeah. anyway, so David and, and another guy go out hunting and they stumble upon this uh, dead deer. Mm-hmm. So fun fact for you, the guy that David was with, I think the character's name is James. That is mm-hmm. a man named Troy Baker. He was the voice of Joel in the video game. Oh, <laughs> yeah. The voice actors, a bunch of the voice actors are in this in the show so marlene is played by her voice actor joel is that guy that's with david the voice of ellie is ellie's mom in the finale and i feel like there's another one i'm forgetting but those are the ones i can remember right now so anyway so ellie tells them to you know points a gun at them to disarms them tells them get away from here Mm -hmm. and then they kind of go back and forth and they strike a bargain where where she asks for medication and um and the guy, David, 
you know, so she, I guess James goes back to the settlement to get the medication and mm -hmm. she and David sit and talk. Yeah. And David says, well, you know, everything happens for a reason. You know, we had somebody was killed in our party recently by a man and a girl. Mm -hmm. And and you realize the person that injured Joel was the person that Joel killed was this this person that they were talking about. It was someone so else's father. It's so significant. It's so significant. Right. A girl's father. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So James comes back medication and, and she penicillin mm -hmm. and uh, there's a question that we've both asked uh, how long does penicillin last mm -hmm. I because don't know. Who, who who make who who was making it then no it must have been left over from before the apocalypse there wasn't anyone around to make penicillin i mean but there were labs you, you knew how to do it you could make it um maybe but, maybe yeah that's true maybe a bigger group could have but yeah so um, it gives them penicillin penicillin and she traded penicillin for the for the buck Right, so she goes back and uh, administers penicillin to Joel. Meanwhile, at David's camp compound, they bring the buck and say, "Here, we're going to, you know, have it for dinner tonight." And then, and there's another hint again in the kitchen where they bring some meat, cut of meat to to cook, mm -hmm. and and he said, it's venison. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he says it's venison, but then they bring the deer back after that, so you know it's not venison. <laughs> I was like, oh, I okay. wasn't sure it was before or after, but um, it was so before David comes back is the scene with the with the oh it's definitely venison that's the before then they come oh, back with the okay. deer, and so the, the camera does some cool like lingering on the meat kind of stuff that yeah. makes it suspicious, right? And I I didn't catch that. Of course, David says, okay, we're gonna follow that girl, track her next tomorrow, and and we'll we'll get our vengeance. Mm -hmm. But for some reason, he doesn't want Ellie to be killed, right? So yes, for some reason. For some reason. For some reason, he's very interested in this teenage girl. I wonder right. why. So, so the next morning, they do track them successfully. Yeah, to the I house. Mean, it wouldn't be very difficult to track them, really. Yeah, and Ellie gives Joel a knife and says, "Stick him with the pointy end uh, if they come downstairs." And uh, and she says, "I'll drive him away. I'll 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 try to yeah. distract them and get them away." So she gets on the horsey, and starts kind of trying to drive them away. And, and is immediately naturally captured. somebody shoots the horse, and and she you know she falls off. She gets knocked out. Yeah. And the the men want to kill her, but David says, "No, I want her alive. Go find mm -hmm. the guy." Mm -hmm. And I guess David takes Ellie back to the compound. Mm -hmm. With I don't know if he. And somebody else goes, there's like two or three guys who stay mm -hmm. to hunt for Joel. Yes, and Joel is now better. Joel was was not, was not a lot better. Yeah, Joel was as a, got better in the nick of time. And they do, in fact, discover him in the basement. And he does, in fact, stick them with the pointy end and stab them. Also kills yeah. one of them. He kills one and captures two. And he does this thing with the map again. Mm -hmm. He tortures them, which is not very pleasant. Mm-hmm. But I think it's necessary uh, to see him really being more violent like that because of what he's going to do in the next episode. Like, you need to understand that he's capable of doing this violence yeah. in the name of protecting Ellie. Like, that's where he's gotten the, to at this point. The thing about uh, this whole thing was that if he wanted to find out where they went, it's really easy to track people in the snow. I mean, it's wilderness. Mm -hmm. It wouldn't be very hard to, to – you don't have to have the map. But basically, he did some bad things to the two guys. He essentially kills them. Mm -hmm. 
and goes to find Ellie. Mm -hmm. And meanwhile, Ellie's in the cage. Yep. Whoops. <laughs> Chatting and, with David. Well, while she's in the cage, she sees an ear on the ground. A human I ear. I didn't realize what that was. Actually, yeah. So that actually there's like cutting back and forth between what Joel is mm -hmm. doing and what Ellie's doing. Yeah. So it like slowly reveal what is going on, mm -hmm. right? So like after Joel disposes of the two guys, he finds some blood tracks on the ground. He finds a dead horse in the like in, in the house, mm -hmm. and he also finds some bodies hanging. Yeah, when he gets to the when he gets to the place, he finds like the place where they had the bodies hanging. Ugh, girls. Uh, and then you then I said, oh, cannibals. Yeah. So Ellie sees an ear on the ground. That's when she's like, oh, cannibals. And I thought that was a bit of a leap. Like, if I saw an ear on the ground, I wouldn't think they're consuming human flesh. I'd think somebody got their ear cut off. But you would have you have to think about uh, the situation that they're in, right? So that they're isolated in the middle of in the wilderness. Mm -hmm. and they're starving. Yeah. And she didn't know any of that yet. That's She sees the ear when she first wakes up. Well, I mean, she, she, she knew what the situation I guess they, she knew was. They were starving. Yeah, that's true. Okay. She spoke to David, you know. So Ellie and David have these like little interesting conversations that I won't rehash in detail because they were stupid. Um, but it's like it's like a film student was given like the ability to write the script and just nobody edited it because some of it's okay. <laughs> some of it's like David's like beginning to groom her. He's like, we're the same. We have like the same kind of stuff going on. That's a very classic like pedophile groom yeah, kind I'm... of thing. So that fit really well. But then, like, his, his, like, speech veers, like, wildly off course, and he starts, like, talking about all kinds of crazy shit. It just, like, it doesn't make any sense. Like, the conversation that they're having just doesn't make, like, really make any sense or really track. And I don't know. Because he, he says, like, you have a violent heart, which I think is true. I think that's an mm -hmm. accurate statement based on what we've seen of Ellie throughout the show. But then he veers into cordyceps or love. Do you remember this? vaguely yeah he's like cordyceps aren't evil they aren't bad they love they they spread they protect their young they like all these things and i'm like that is the most vacuous statement you can fill that in with anything cats are love oranges are love i mean any any word you want can be filled technically in. they don't really explain how cordyceps spread other than attacked by attacking humans and eventually you would run out mm -hmm. of humans so right that that's it was just stupid. It was it was very like it was like very deep, you know, like cordyceps are love, man. Like, do you feel the love of the cordyceps? They're not evil. This is dark. This is a morally difficult situation. Don't you understand? And it's like I just didn't buy it even a little bit. But the good part of that conversation was the reveal, at least what I think is the reveal of what why David is so interested in Ellie, which is when he puts his hand on the on the bars and she comes and holds his hand. Do you remember that? Yeah. So did I, did you get that at that point, or were you being being suspicious? A little bit, but not not really, mm -hmm. not not till the final battle. Yeah, then it's really really obvious. So Ellie breaks his finger, and then he's like, El, El, "I was wondering, you know, I I expected her to play along just to get, you know, she she was she is pretty smart, mm -hmm. but she broke his finger and bit him." Yeah. And then and he's like, all right, fine. We he are going to really chop you off. off. Chop you up into little pieces. Yeah. No, that's fine. You'll we be dinner. That. Yeah. <laughs> so Frank comes in. Uh, not Frank. James. James. Mm -hmm. And they get it on this butcher table. Mm -hmm. Did you notice that? Yeah. <laughs> and with like a cleaver. And they're about to 
uh, butcher her and she says, I'm infected. So they kind of stop. And she's like, I'm infected and so are you because I bit you. Right. Mm-hmm. And she shows him the, the, the mark mm-hmm. and he's a little bit kind of taken aback mm-hmm. and he kind of puts the cleaver into the butcher table and he's just kind of confused and mm-hmm. so is James. So Ellie naturally grabs a cleaver and kills James with it. Yes. Just and Runs starts out running the room. away. Right. And, and then there's we the final our final The final battle. Yeah. <laughs> the big boss battle the at the end of the, of at the <laughs> level. <laughs> yes. So this is a cool scene. Um I, I it could have been better. The show <laughs> the show has a problem with action scenes, it doesn't do them very well, which is unfortunate. Basically because it's an action game. But basically she runs into this like restaurant area. And mm-hmm. she throws a piece of wood that has fire on it, and it ends up like lighting something else on fire, so that the restaurant starts to slowly burn. So she's hiding in various places, and and David is sort of trying to track her down. And this is when he gets like every like incel Reddit poster on the internet, where he's like, "I'm so good. You don't know how good I would have been for you. You're not appreciating how amazing I am." And like the, but like the psychopath is really coming out. Like the yeah, dialogue yeah. is good, and. They do eventually get into a physical altercation, and he he gets her on the ground, and this is He's, you know when it becomes yeah. obvious that don't you yeah. get it? I like it when you fight me. Yep, I like it when you fight me. You're like, oh god, he's a cannibal. But, the cannibalism isn't even the worst part of this. <laughs> That's a minor issue. I can understand <laughs> that. You were very hungry, I know, but it's like, oh no. So Ellie reaches back and is able to get her hands on the cleaver. And and she kills him dead. Kills him dead. Chopping, chopping him up. Chop, chop, choppity. Bull, big choppity. And then she comes out of the burning building. I don't know what the other people were at, the, at that point. But, I don't know. Um, she comes in and she runs into somebody and she starts screaming. Mm. And that's Joel. Yeah. And Joel says, it's okay, baby girl. And the last time right. he said baby girl was to Sarah, his daughter, who died 20 years ago. It's so sweet. <sighs> it's so sweet. And so, episode ends. Yeah. That was, I mean, I think that episode could have been a lot better than it was, unfortunately. Well, th- that epi- episode was violent, but was satisfying because the people who were getting killed needed killing. Yeah, I agree with that. Right. Yeah, I thought that the violence was good. I think it, it could have been, it could have been better than it was, but it was, it was satisfactory. But then we roll into the finale, <laughs> the last episode. And here they are in Salt Lake City. Salt Lake City, we're here. We're getting in the hospital. And I mean, this is pr- the episode's short. It's 43 minutes. So we start before the credits with a little vignette about Ellie's birth that explains why right. Ellie is immune. So basically what had happened was her mother, who was played by the voice actress of Ellie, the one that voices her in the game. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, which is so cute. Basically, her mother was in active labor when she was bitten. And so, like, at the moment she's bitten, Ellie is, like, born, which is, like, physically pushed out. And the umbilical cord is cut, like, within the minute. Like, it's cut very shortly thereafter. So I think the implication is, like, Ellie as an infant was, like, briefly exposed to a little bit of the fungus. Well, again, this is where science would have some issues because... Right? Yeah. The placenta is kind of not really... You don't exchange blood. You exchange nutrients and stuff. So, mm-hmm. but, yeah, okay. that's, I hadn't even thought about that. But isn't it also, it's like you don't develop an immunity to a fungus. Like if you're exposed to like a little bit of like a bacteria, you could develop an immunity and not get sick. Or like to a virus, your your body would 
develop well the, the other thing was that that the the mother killed the zombie with a knife mm -hmm. and she used that same knife to cut off the umbilical cord i saw some people saying that online too i think the show was trying to say because she was because mom was bit and the umbilical cord was still there i don't think they were going for the knife exposure thing but i mean it's possible i it's it's unclear <laughs> so that's right. where we land on it so whatever ellie's immune marlene is the one that comes and takes her and but marlene doesn't know about this exposure that the baby had so the rest of the episode and marlene has to kill the mother because the mother has been bitten so right the rest of the episode is them getting to the hospital and i think the two important scenes here are the giraffes right uh, the giraffes <laughs> were very important do you remember the what how do you feel about the giraffes it reminded me of Jurassic Park, actually, because it's a s almost exact scene in Jurassic Park, but yeah, they're feeding leaves to a, a yeah. brontosaur. Yeah, that's true. It did. People are really emotionally attached to the giraffe thing. That's a scene in the games, too. I don't get it because it doesn't I mean, mean it's anything. It's cute. I mean... It's cute, exactly, but it doesn't mean anything. There's no... Right. And then the other important reveal was that Joel admits to Ellie that he tried to kill himself the day right. after Sarah died. And... He shot at himself, but he flinched and missed, which is why he has a scar on his forehead, which I think the makeup department should have done better because it looked to me like he had a smudge of lipstick on his forehead. And I, this scar was apparently mentioned in the previous episodes. It was mentioned in like episode two. I didn't remember it. I didn't remember it. And I, I watch these episodes multiple times and I write articles about them. So if I didn't get it, it was not explicated enough. <laughs> but that's when we get like the most beautiful line of the show. Where Ellie says, well, I, I guess time heals all wounds. And Joel says, it wasn't time. And then right. looks at her. And then I cried. And I said, Pedro Pascal, why would you do this to me? <laughs> <laughs> and then it's the flashbang grenade. Yes. Then they get captured by the fireflies. And Joel wakes up. And he's like, where am I? And Marlene is there. And she's like, so let me hit you with some science fiction fun stuff. Ellie's immune because the cordyceps in her body create messenger cells that tell incoming cordyceps that she's already a cordyceps, so it won't infect her with that. Because of that, we're going to dissect it from her, and she's going to die during the surgery. Thank you for delivering the package. And Joel says, oh, oh no. No, no, ma'am. So what do you think about that whole messenger cell bit? <sighs> you don't look satisfied. <laughs> no. <laughs> Okay, why not? I don't know. I I thought that was kind of awful to have um, the cure kill the main character, you know. Mm -hmm. As far as uh, science kind of stuff, even, you know, had to remove parts of a brain or something. I don't know. I just, what I don't understand is, I so I like they added this from the game, like more of an explanation about these like cells and stuff. But mm -hmm. if you're able to detect these cells, and study them enough to see how they're reacting and figure out why they're working. That means you took a sample that is testable and usable. So why do you need right, the growth, right. it's, it's... you know? Like, why do you need the growth inside if you have, like, if you can harvest the cells from the living host? Right. It almost seems counterintuitive that you would want to kill the host to harvest the cordyceps, which is not going to live outside the host when it's making these cells. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it didn't quite make sense. Right. So Joel says, uh-uh, uh, I have bonded with this child, and uh, not again. And, and I, I don't care about the world. You know? Yeah. 
and for four minutes of screen time goes on a rampage. So the climax of our nine episode long season is a four minute long shooty shootout throughout the hospital. And these are my two problems with this scene. One, Joel is way too competent. Way too competent in this scene. We've never seen him be this indestructible the entire series. Right. In fact, the series established for us that he's not indestructible. All of a sudden, his plot armor activates, and he's able to kill all these people perfectly. Two, he is stone cold during this scene. And I know it's the directing, because Pedro Pascal can act in however you want him to. Yeah. But he must have been directed to just be like totally emotionless, because that's how he was. I wish... And I know they did that because that's the tough action guy kind of thing to do. Well, that was in the previous episode when he killed the other two guys, mm-hmm. the cannibals. That was a bit of that there. He wasn't stone cold with them. He was showing a lot of well, emotion. He, with no mercy, though. No, no, no mercy. No, I'm not saying mercy. But I'm saying emotion. You know, anger, mm-hmm. fear, anxiety, you know, that that kind of thing. I wish that we had kept the panic attack aspect of his life, of his character in. Because this would have been the right moment when he's being escorted out. And previously when he had these panic attacks, he just kind of collapsed and didn't do anything. But to be like experiencing one and to just go into a rage, not to go into a cold calculated, like I'm going to take these steps and do that, but to go into an emotional, like, I can't, I can't stand for this to happen again. I can't do it. And the panic of having to try to get there fast enough. You didn't get that from the scene. You didn't get a panic that he wouldn't make. I didn't think he was not going to make it on time. You know, did you think he was right. not going to make it on time? No. Right. <laughs> so like the stakes were like super low. Well, and I, he I, didn't know that. I mean, but you couldn't tell that he didn't know that. You know what I mean? Like it just wasn't, the acting wasn't, the, the, the directing wasn't correct for what should have been going on. You know what I mean? So, but he does successfully rampage to the hospital kills lots of random people and gets Ellie at, at the sound of the buzzer gets Ellie and escapes with her and as he's leaving in the parking garage he encounters Marlene well there's a scene with the doctor also it's like there's a doctor says no you you I will not let you take it he says yes you will mm-hmm. boom he kills him yep he does I wonder if that'll be important later <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what season two is about um but he he escapes and Marlene tries to stop him and he kills Marlene. Yikes. And he injures Marlene and, and she says, please let me live. And mm-hmm. he says, no, because you're going to follow me. And he kills her. Yeah. And then the last scene of the game is almost, uh, the last thing the show is almost verbatim from the game, which is he tells Ellie in the car, uh, the last two scenes, he tells Ellie in the car, well, the fireflies couldn't do anything for you. And while, the, while we were there, you, while you were under like anesthesia, the raiders came and I barely got you out of there alive. So, like, don't ask questions. Right. And then when they're just outside Jackson, Ellie's like, promise me that everything you told me about the fireflies is true. Can you swear that that yeah. what you said was true? And he's like, I swear. And he's like, yeah, definitely. <laughs> and then the season ends. So, mm. so it took us an hour and 48 minutes to talk about nine episodes. <laughs> well, we talked about it. We did a lot of analysis along the way. Right, so right. I think that's good. Let's talk about you know that this is a this is history in reverse a father daughter science fiction podcast. So, so it's a father daughter bonding story. This is a father daughter <laughs> bonding story. How did you? It, it's hard for me sometimes because I know the source material so intimately. For for our listeners who don't know, like I do a cosplay of Ellie from the second game. So I, I even learned to play the songs on guitar that she knows how to play to make the cosplay really authentic. <laughs> <laughs> 
so I know the source material really intimately. So it's hard for me sometimes to judge. From your point of view, was that relationship between Joel and Ellie built up on screen enough for you to believe this story? Yeah, yeah, I think so. He's kind of weird kind of a guy where he, you know, like like a dad. He's doesn't want to do stuff, but he feels responsible, so he does mm-hmm. it. It's like, you know, he and he tries to be kind of cool about it, like, no, you cargo. Mm-hmm. But not really. <laughs> right, exactly. He's trying to be he's trying to be stone cold, but he's not. That's why he right. shouldn't have been stone cold in the finale. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I think that I think it took them a little too long to get to that relationship being built up because we were like a solid five episodes in until I started to buy it. But I think a lot of the pacing issues in the season was that the first three episodes were overlong and the third episode was 55 minutes with two characters that we never saw again, right? Right. So I think there was a pacing issue in that way, but they eventually got there, at least for me, with the father-daughter bonding. Um, In terms of themes... (laughs) One theme, of course, with every like as with every zombie story, is humans are the real monsters. I think that comes to real fruition in episode eight, and I think it comes to real fruition in episode nine when Joel becomes the monster. Yeah, you know, which is a turn that I like. You know, I, I like that. I'm curious what what season two might look like. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I've never heard of the series or played the game, so I have no idea what it could possibly okay. be. <laughs> I don't know. Who knows what it could be? I don't because, know you know, they had a big goal to reach and they got there and decided not to take it. And that's it. I think a problem in the games is precisely that issue. That game one, even though it's shorter, it's 15, maybe 15, maybe 20 hours if you really drag it out. It's really shorter than that. It has that overarching role of saving, trying to save humanity. Uh, game two's goal is an interpersonal fight. And it's a 35-hour game. So... Oh. It's yeah, it's chunky. They're not gonna be able to fit season, second game into one season. There's no way. There's just way too much stuff going on. There's way too many characters. But I think that's the narrowing of the purpose of the story is definitely a problem that we see. Hmm. What so? What did you think about the ending? With because you said you were dissatisfied, you were disappointed with the ending. Yeah, I was dissatisfied because you know Joel was a good guy, and he became pretty bad in the end. Like all that killing was. I don't know. I, I didn't like that part. Like mm-hmm. you know, the, in the previous episode, that was fine, but in this episode, it felt wrong. Mm-hmm. It felt worse. I think. I'm and not, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. And the fact that he lies to Ellie. I mean, I can understand why he's doing it, but. Yeah, I mean, do you, what do you think she would have done if he had told her to? I don't know. If she would have forgiven him if she, he had told her the truth. Eventually, probably. She. I assume she's going to find out sometime, somewhere down the road. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Maybe not because nobody's alive. Well, those two nurses are. He did leave those two nurses alive. That's different from the game. That's definitely different from the game. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why he left those two nurses alive. Yeah, I mean, one of the things is in the beginning of the season, the narrative keeps trying to tell us that Joel and Tess are bad people. Both Joel and Tess say in their dialogue, we're bad people. But we're never shown them being bad people. We aren't shown. Right. We're told, like... Those things we did at the beginning of the outbreak. We murdered people, yada, yada. Well, I mean, he do- does beat up the guard at the very beginning. He, I think he probably kills him. And well, because the like guard some... was going to kill Ellie. I mean, these are, all well, the violent things we see him do have a justifiable reason. He's not just, like, murdering for fun. You know, he's right. not David. He's not eating people. So, I, I mean, I wonder about the turn at the end. 
And, because I, I agree it was a bad thing for him to do, particularly in the show where they made it very clear that Ellie is super unique and is, in fact, the key to the cure. I do think that was a bad thing to do. But at the same time, was it the right thing for the Fireflies to do to, within hours of getting an immune child, decide they have to immediately do brain surgery that will kill her? Well, they seem to have been preparing it for a while. It's like, I don't know why he had to go all the way to Salt Lake City, but... I don't know why the fire, why they did it so fast. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, Joel was just unconscious for... Um, he wasn't unconscious for days. And Ellie right. seems also to have not known that they were doing surgery. Like, she woke up in the car and was like, what happened? Well, I mean, they to they didn't tell her that she was not going to wake up. Right. It's very. It was very strange, though. I felt like it was very, uh, very strange. Was there anything else you wanted to talk about specifically? No, no. I think I enjoyed the show. I mean, I'm I'm not into zombie apocalypses or horror type things, mm -hmm. but I got into it. Like you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I thought it was a good show. I think it's definitely worth the watch, and I'm gonna watch season two. I hope that they add more action. So what one of the things that one of the creators said in one of the interviews after the episode early on was he said, like, you can't have a lot of zombies because the zombies in the game are part of gameplay and you can't watch gameplay. Right. To which I said, your entire audi target audience watches gameplay. The whole audience, <laughs> all of us, your entire target audience does. And there's action movies and action TV shows, so it's not like you can't have action on television. So it was very strange to me that they didn't have a lot of action sequences. They didn't have enough zombies in the show. I mean, there were no zombies in the last two episodes, and there was one in episode seven. No, there was one in episode nine at the very beginning. Their little... Oh, yeah, there was one. Okay. Ellie's mom. Yeah. So... The cannibals, no, there were no, no, no zombies at all. There's one with Riley. There are none in Jackson? There are none in Jackson. No. And then there's just like a ton in episode five. <laughs> right. So they filled up one place. and Right. And that they was spent it. their whole budget <laughs> on the one seat. <laughs> but no, I thought it was good. I I'm curious to see how they proceed uh, into season two. But definitely worth the watch. So for any of our listeners, if you guys want to hear more analysis of this, I plugged it in the beginning. Check out my other podcast, Gaze. And uh, the podcast, The Fundamentalist, because we'll be doing podcasts there as well. And I did write articles about each of these episodes for The Maybe I'll link your articles in the notes. Yeah, link my articles so that if you guys want to hear way too much analysis. <laughs> <laughs> I know you just enjoyed about two hours of analysis, but would you like more? <laughs> I mean, among my articles, I wrote like 30,000 words about this show. So it's like a, like a novella length <laughs> series of essays. I thought it was good. You think it's a good piece? You think it was a good science fiction story? Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, as as those kinds of things go. Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. I think that's everything. I think we basically hit on everything. Good show. Solid, like six point five seven. I think, like like that. You know. Yeah. It's a good like B plus. You know. <laughs> but all right. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it because <laughs> I made you watch it. <laughs> no, I was planning to watch it because it had so much buzz. Yeah. I'm excited to see where it goes next. All right, guys. Well, thanks so much for joining us here on History in Reverse. And uh, we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.